This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, everyone. My name is Antoine Ray, and I'm your host today for this Global Ambition podcast episode. This is 15 minutes of localization and international go-to-market strategy and insight that are short, actionable, and sharp. My guest today is Talia Bausch, and Talia is a consultant in international product strategy. The topic today is specifically around product fit for new markets adoption. Talia, can you please briefly tell us about you and what you do in general? Hi, Antoine. Thanks very much for having me here. The pleasure always. So I come from localization 20, 20 something years ago, and then I headed international product at, and growth at uh, LinkedIn, at uh, ServerMonkey after that. Uh, before that, uh, worked at Google Maps and Earth. Yeah. Great. All right. So let's get uh, straight into the topics there. In terms of that product market fit, and maybe you can explain what that means uh, compared to other aspects of the go-to-market strategy in international markets, you know. Uh, but what is the biggest challenge that you have seen people uh, facing with this topic? Antoine, you know, I, I would say three core challenges. There are many challenges, but three core ones, I would say, are an afterthought, right? So in t- considering international expansion as something that we'll, we'll do later, and this is very much U.S. companies that uh, have that vision. Uh, when you see companies uh, launching from other countries, they have that from the get-go, right? It's global ready from the get-go. So that's one thing. Another thing, so because of that, of course, you know, the, the back-end platform infrastructure is not fully internationalized. They're not, they cannot hit the ground running when they are ready down the road to, to launch internationally. The second big challenge is a narrow mindset of localization. It's very much seen in our industry as a language support, which is critical, but not enough, right? Localization is, goes beyond language support. Um, it really goes uh, deeper into the product strategy, the product experience, making the product relevant, provide the right value, optimize for the right segments in your target markets. Many, many, many factors and considerations go into that. And these are things, elements that companies, uh, I don't see companies really have a strong awareness in. So you see localization teams and companies very much focused on language support, which again is critical, but they're not then woven into all the other parts of the business, right? Like product and marketing and ops and legal and payments and so on. The third big challenge is horizontal. So international is an extremely cross-functional horizontal effort and companies not structured in that way. So if they do hire an international product lead, right, to drive the vision, the strategy for a global adoption, it's very difficult for that person to then drive effectively, you know, align their OKRs with stakeholders across other functions and teams, right? Because typically companies are more siloed in those departments uh, and, and teams, right? But horizontal structure. And they have to then contribute to the OKRs of... Exactly. So I've had to very extensively align my international OKRs with every single stakeholder lead in every single function in the company in order to effectively drive my results back to the international efforts. Okay. And in this case, so you've seen a lot in the different companies that you worked with. Can you share with us maybe what went wrong so that our audience can avoid mm-hmm. some of those pitfalls uh, that might be very useful uh, for them to not go in that direction and avoid this, what are the no-nos? 
Sure. So I've been sitting in the growth within the or the product org structure, right? So when you know for product managers, when we we conceive of a product, right? We it has to have we have to establish a product concept proof, a product market fit, right? If you're sitting in the US and you're doing prototyping, user research and understanding sort of massaging and forming, formulating the value proposition, who it is you're optimizing for, right? What needs to happen, typically that is happening for the domestic segment, right? And then they run with that for a few years. And then after a few years, they say, okay, now we're ready to expand internationally. And they take that same product concept proof which was really tested and built and designed for the U.S. English market. Mm-hmm. Same exact example, same value, and simply translate everything, right? Just translate the content. Uh, sometimes I'll just translate the interface, which really doesn't go a long way. So, you know, of course, when you start doing local content and transcreation, it's much a better fit. But really what I'm talking about, big blind side, I would say, in product, is understanding that, first of all, who it is you're optimizing for in Japan or in Germany or in China or in the US is different, a different cohort. At, at, you know, and then who it is you're optimizing for is going to dictate the value proposition. I'll just give you a quick example. So at LinkedIn, the addressable segment are professionals and students. Mm-hmm. It's a very different cohort in different markets. In, in Germany, it's, for example, the who it is you're optimizing for is a much higher age cohort because it's a more, it's a, you know, more aging demographic. So that dictates the value prop of career leadership and, and content insights, right? Industry insights. So then we optimize more um, of career leadership uh, in terms of the features we would uh, prioritize. It's also a, a more a mature market and with high monetization. So then we would focus on things that are on sort of downstream, on, um, on conversion to paid, on retention, right? Then you take another market like China was a big market for us back in 2014. Uh, the age cohort there, the demographic is of course much younger, right? It's the 17 to what was it, 17 to 24, whereas at the same time Germany was 35 to 45 or 47, right? So the younger cohort that dictates a different value prop, which is a job seeker for internship or entry level jobs, right. which does right create the and, you know, the off-stack, lightweight mobile app that is with a single value proposition of a job seeker for the younger, you know, the younger cohorts, right? Some markets, you would focus more on a B2B positioning. Germany, Mexico, uh, Japan, UAE, right? These are countries that are more, either they have um, a high adoption of small businesses or they're just hierarchically structured in a way that you really need to have sort of top-down adoption in a market, uh, either with the partnership with governments, like in UAE, or with partnerships with uh, large corporations, like in uh, in Japan, in order to infiltrate the adoption of your product in the market for brand trust. In other markets, like the US, for example, you might consider a B2C positioning. So in this case, like this is more about the positioning uh, side of things, but I presume there's also uh, some requirements to change the product and to rapidly prototype in different markets for adapting to that market, is it? Yes, yes. So what it is, is, is two things, right? Of course, we, we don't want to build a completely new product for each market, not at all. But what we do want to do is we, when upfront, when we build a new product or when we want to optimize a flagship uh, feature, 
a flagship product, we'll want to optimize specific features there. We need to be able to hit the ground running, right? So for that to happen, it can happen after we've already entered a new market uh, because we've now realized a local need or gap or demand, right? Trend that we want to quickly adapt to. If our backend uh, product, uh, if, if our platform infrastructure architecture is on a global standard, which means that it's more fixed, yes, it's not as modular. We cannot, in real time, in instant deploys, iterate on the front end the right experience, right? We're going to miss the market. A local competitor is going to win the adoption before us, right? It'll be harder for us to, to assimilate faster. Timing is really critical. We want to be first to market, right? Oh, this is something I see all the time is that we, we had that at Servomaki as well. When I joined the company, the first thing I had to do was to re the teams, you know, to refactor the um, pricing and the payments platforms in the back end so that we refactor the code so that we could iterate by user IP address, by uh, geolocation, the right pricing plans, the right payment structure, the right, I'm not even talking about currencies, it's just even breaking breaking down different tiers of pricing, right? That has to be massaged and customized by different markets. And of course, payment methods and all of that. And then other front-end, um, you know, UI, UX adaptations, right? You want to be right. able to quickly iterate in real time. Okay. And do you see like many companies like that are... Uh, planning the operational aspect of going to a new market, like from a marketing perspective, from a support perspective, from a sales perspective, and they totally forget about product fit when they arrive in that market? Or? Yes, I very much see, and again, I'm talking um, more from the perspective of US-based companies, and including the very big multinational great companies, not just, it's not the fault of startups, it's really, I see it very much, actually startups are easier to train because they're, you know, you can still build it right from the get-go but large corporations is where i see the big problem is because they're already set in in a certain way that worked for the us for engineers to uh, you know at the beginning to code uh, concatenated strings and do all these shortcuts right with variables and so on and it's much cheaper and much faster which is why many companies are is very much based uh, oftentimes on global standards because it is cheaper and faster to launch at the beginning but then when they're ready to hit international, they have to refactor code. They have to re, you know, so much harder to then, uh, even after they've learned what they do need to do in order to adopt in a new market, it's very hard for them to respond fast. So, um, and if your point, companies, they see go-to-market strategy as an ops thing. You know, we, okay, we are scouting these new high monetization or, or high growth potential markets. We're sending our you know, troops on ground, with operationals, resourcing, local hubs, uh, legal setup, uh, marketing campaigns. And a lot of money is, is poured into those efforts uh, without considering, wait a minute, is the product that we built for you, English US, is, is that a good fit for that market? Right. And it could be. It could be a good fit, but maybe it needs a little bit of repositioning of value proposition or a little bit of, you know, maybe some, you know, optimization of some, core funnels, maybe onboarding should look different, maybe, I don't know, check out to complete orders, need, funnel needs to be optimized, right? Right. And so to that point, are there best practice that you can give people that are listening to us that they should follow so that they could duplicate for their own product? Yes, they should have 
I would say two things. First of all, a global mindset, yes, from the get-go, a global first mindset of what their product is going to look like and what is the value it's going to bring, who it is uh, they want to optimize it for, and how do they define and measure success. I, I, you know, I teach, I've developed a uh, curriculum for an MBA program in two universities here that teaches international product strategy because it's something that no, I have not seen any university actually teach. And this is why we have this blind side in the industry. Um, and I always teach them those three pillars, right? Define what problem you're solving for and think about that question from a global first perspective, right? Maybe you're only building a product for India. That's great. So you're just focusing on that market. What is the gap of that market that you're trying to focus, to solve for? Or if it's a global solution, then again, have a very broad, holistic vision of what would that look like, integrating all those regional and cultural factors, right? Number two is who, who it is you're optimizing it for. What demographic, what use case, what sector, right? Again, that's going to be different in, in some key markets. And number three is how you define and measure success, which is really, really important and quite different. The success metrics are very different in, in different maturity level markets, right? You need to almost, uh, you know, uh, customize that. And then those three pillars really dictate the, um, the what. What are the core MVP initiatives you're going to drive, right? Got it. Great. Listen, we're coming to the end of our podcast. Thanks very much for participating in Italia. And before you leave, can I ask you, so now you're part of Global Ambitions there. Is there someone you would recommend that should come on this podcast and talk about their experience in either international product strategy or in localization, internationalization that you can think about? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> um, there are many amazing people in our industry. I would, I would uh, really recommend, because this is a topic that we don't hear enough of, is someone who can talk about cross-cultural communication, right, in business as well, but the cultural aspect of, of, a, of a product experience or a marketing campaign or a go-to-market strategy, right, um, really understanding cultures, the culture code across different regions. Sounds great. We'll reach out and uh, figure out who can talk to us about this then next time. Yeah, and I can, I can afterward, I can think about uh, some names and send you. And can I uh, invite everyone to join the parliament? Just go to globalsakegrowth.com. Thanks very much then, Talia, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.